torturing clients to remember their past life memories. Common practice? Wow. wow. <laughs> there's there's a lot. There's so much in this episode of this Twilight Zone thing. I'm I'm so fucking into it. We haven't even talked about that yet. We can we will right now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Welcome to Mind Space Minimal, a podcast exploring the connections between consciousness, lifestyle, wellness, and aesthetics. We're your hosts. I'm Jessica Yatrovsky. And I'm Daniel Ryan. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today we're doing hypnosis and film, which is our favorite thing ever. And, Mm -hmm. um, We're actually talking about a television series episode um, of The Twilight Zone, and the specific episode is called Memories. You know, I didn't know that this came back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? I watched it. Yes, I did. I watched sometimes in the 80s. I only thought it was the black and white that I I think I watched it on like Nick at Night or something, but... Uh, or something similar. I don't know. Um, my parents allowed, they allowed it at night, the Twilight mm-hmm. Zone for me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Memories is the 41st episode and the sixth episode of the third season that went from 1988 to 89. The new Twilight Zone. That's the mm-hmm. name of this series. Do we care who it's directed by? Yeah, sure. Because I can't I'm pronounce curious. it. <laughs> Okay, cool. It's R Y S Z A R D. Right on. Rizard. Riz, Rizard. The the whole production is de- deliciously eighties. Let's oh, let's just put that out there. One hundred percent. It is deliciously eighties. Written by Bob Underwood. Original air date nice was job, Bob. October 29th, nineteen eighty eight. So cool. It's pretty young. So yeah. This here we go. Buckle up. Guest appearances by Mary McNeil, played by Barbara Stock, and Jim Sinclair, played by Nigel Bennett. So Standing ovations for all the actors. Yes, yes, Fine indeed. Fine performances, truly. So the opening narration goes, Mary McNeil, dealer in dreams and memories, which I died when I heard that. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. so fucking funny. Dealer in dreams yeah. and memories to whom the uncovering of past lives is the greatest good she can render to a forgetful humanity. <laughs> 8.57 p.m. and Mary McNeil makes another attempt to discover a previous life. However, the journey she is about to take is to a different place, a land whose borders are defined by the region we call the Twilight Zone. So nice, I just yes. did five different terrible wannabe accents in that. So here's the plot of this episode. <laughs> pretty short and then i got a few fucking questions about this Uh, well first of all i loved it okay let me i'll read the plot first okay please two women are sitting in a room mary mcneil is in a chair and another woman named miss gustin is laying on a couch mary is putting her under hypnosis to find a significant past life miss gustin finds herself working in a dress shop during the american revolutionary war and she discovers this is why she is fearful of men in uniform when Miss Gustin asks if Mary has been able to find a past life, she claims that she has been unable to remember. 
After Miss Gustin leaves, Mary once again tries to hypnotize herself and discover a past life. She awakens the next day on her couch with no new information about any past lives, or so she thinks. Mary arrives at what she thinks is her next appointment, and she is late. She knocks and discovers that the woman already knows about her past lives and is abruptly shown out. Confused, Mary goes to what she thought was her office, only to find that it is now an employment counseling center. She tries to find help since she has no idea why everything is different. Jim Sinclair, the man at the employment center, attempts to help her believing she is another unemployed person. She is curious when she is asked why she didn't put information about her past lives. When she is unable to recall, she panics and leaves. Sinclair calls someone and talks to them about Mary, saying that, quote, she could be the one, end quote. Later, Sinclair and another man discuss Mary again and talk about how she might have to be killed. Meanwhile, Mary finds a homeless woman who wants to die. And when Mary asks why, the woman tells her that she has a pretty good life in her past life, but she hates her current life. Mary tries to make her believe that she is needed here and now marry herself because she doesn't have anyone or anything. Mary runs to get help, but runs into Sinclair and the other man. They drug and kidnap her, and when she awakens in an empty warehouse, Mary discovers that because she didn't recall her past lives, she is deemed worthy by the man and Sinclair. They put her under, and she starts talking about herself, but still no information about her past lives. When they discover she is telling the truth, they want her to help them forget their past lives. In this alternate reality, everyone remembers all their past lives. Being able to remember past grudges, stressful times, and everyday problems from each life. To remember so much can drive someone insane. Mm. One can become lethargic and just kill themselves so they can go on to another life. Mm. They want her to help them and others quit trying to avenge or yearn for joys from the past and make this life, the present life, much more desirable. They know she has a drive to help others, but most of all, she has a gift, the ability to make one forget past lives and all the baggage that comes with them. Soon, Mary is working with Sinclair to help people forget about their past lives through hypnotism and lead happier lives. Whoa. So that's literally the whole show. I think it's like 15 or 20 minutes long, right? I think it was like 22 minutes with commercial breaks. Yeah. Yes. Like a half hour format. So I actually didn't know that this was going to be about past life regression. Delightful I, I, surprise. Very delightful. I was I was on the edge of my seat pretty much from the moment it began. <laughs> so was I. And also I was like, Pam, this is my first note was pandemic fatigue fever dream? Question mark. Hmm. I mean. As in the ladies past lifetime. Yeah. But all yeah. of it, like when when she tried to hypnotize herself and woke up and everything was yeah. like different and people already knew their past lives. Which I love the Twilight Zone for these reasons. The Twilight Zone. So ahead of its was, time. Truly still is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there would be no Black Mirror. Right. If we hadn't had the Twilight Zone. Right. You know, first. And it's it's willingness to. Come up with a plot line like, you know, this woman takes a nap and wakes up in a world where everybody knows their past mm -hmm. lifetimes, 
you know, and, and what do you do then? She what wasn't is, needed when then? she went to that woman's house. And she's like, no, yeah. I know and, why I died in the war. And not only that, but even in 22 minutes, it goes into, and this is a little bit on how society would operate. Yeah. If, if we all had clear recollection of our past lifetimes and included that information and job interviews and applications mm-hmm. and, you know, casual conversations. Yeah. He says in the interview with her, he goes, I didn't see you listed anything from your previous life. And she goes, no. And he goes, yeah. well, let's run through three or four lifetimes. No need. No need to go back any further than that. No blacksmiths needed now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, my God, the comedy, the comedy yeah. in this. <laughs> and then he says, you claim you claim not to know who you were in your previous life. And that's quite irregular. But I was thinking actually like how deep this is on so many other levels, which I'm sure you've thought through like way further than me, but that if we knew what our traumas and our triggers were and could identify them, then there would literally be nothing standing in the way of you moving on in any given place in in your life. But they talk about reincarnation in this. Mm -hmm. So they're reincarnating. So when she meets mm-hmm. that homeless woman, she was like, let me die. I'm allowed to die. That's my God-given right or something that I'm yeah. allowed to die. She talks about how the law says it's okay for her to die and she's she's chosen sleeping pills. Yeah, and, and a bad <laughs> Gun diet. Gun scare her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, you know? okay. Um, that's interesting. And then, but just kind of, uh, we're all over the place, guys. And, and, yes, and when you see this episode, like you're allowed to be because it's kind of all over the place, but in a great way. At the very beginning, when she's escorting her, her client out that had the Civil War, you know, experience right, yeah. or the revolutionary, not Civil War. And the woman goes, wow. You know, it's so overacted. I love the acting. Of the, I know. She's, the performance. She's like, wow, if we all knew our past lives, We'd understand ourselves so well, you know, because it's just leading up to that, you know, you're going to go into this alternate universe where everybody does know their past lives. But actually, guess what? Doesn't help anything that everyone knows their past lives is what I gleaned from it, because you go into this place that's kind of dystopic. It's like everybody knew what happened to them, but it's very just not a good vibe. Like there's crime and there's suffering well and also too we were laughing about this before the episode began but there's a a straight up torture scene oh yes (laughs) they uh when they this this like (laughs) the counselor or whoever it is the employment office who's now in where her office used to be mary Mm -hmm. mcneil mary mcneil who's you know part my spirit guide Mm -hmm. you know they basically like kidnap her take her to a abandoned warehouse have her in a chair and like torture her and it's oh it's both upsetting and hilarious it's just like what is going on it's so funny but it's also like what are they doing to this poor i meant to send you this clip i'll send it to you after um where he's like oh the telephone call when he's just like i think we Mm. got one she doesn't remember her past lives or whatever and then when they kidnap her which was (laughs) totally like way fucked up and inappropriate like they did the it's, it's wild he, she was just like this woman needs help and they're like we'll help her and then they inject her in the arm through her coat which i'm like well, <laughs> does that even work they inject What's her through her on? coat with some kind of sleeping shit 
and take her in a van, right? Which is a woman's worst nightmare in the 80s, right? And 90s to be kidnapped and taken in a van somewhere. The late 80s were peak van kidnapping <laughs> time, for sure. I would always for run sure. away from vans, and I lived in L.A. during that we were time. All, we were told to as children. Yeah, we're yeah. like, absolutely no vans. Like, you run when yeah. you see a van. What was so funny is when they were hypnotizing her, and they're regressing her in the warehouse, he's going... Go earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, who are you? (laughs) And I was like, this is so just made for me and Dan. Like, yeah, it really, really was including, including, you know, people listening to this, please find on YouTube. You could just search the twilight zone memories. If you want to include the year, I think it's 1985. It's free. It's free. It's on YouTube. But the and it's a 22 minute episode, but the video is 47 minutes long, and there's all of these repeated scenes at the end. And both you and I watched it, yeah, it as confused. if the whole thing mattered. And I was like, "Is this a Terrence Malick film? <laughs> Did this just turn into a David Lynch situation? What's happening?" The Twilight episode was impactful enough on its own. Watching all of these repeated things, I was like, "Wait a second. Because it wasn't an order. They, no, and it. I think it's. I. I think it's basically a mistake and Mm -hmm. the video, the second half of the video is just jumbled up, but watching it, we didn't know that. And, and I'm watching it thinking to myself that I'm being indoctrinated actually by this video. That's actually quite incredibly intuitively edited, but it just turns out it's a little jump. I told you I, I fell asleep to it last night and then I fell asleep to it this morning. Don't yeah. do that, guys, because I had really weird dreams. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny is at the end of all of this, after they torture her and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. And she responds to that by being like, that's it. You're sorry. Like, you made a boop. <laughs> Oops. You know, like. Yeah. And and then they hire her and yeah. she works for them. And now she's like helping people forget their past lives. So that's the thing. It's like you can't like this alternate universe shit. It's like. Everyone knows their past lives and you think they're going to use it for good or for healing and actually right. just create another fucking problem. Like people don't want to know right. their past the lives. More bureaucracy based upon what you were in your past lifetime and, and who you mm-hmm. were and all this so they class have to, system and everything. She becomes their eternal sunshine of the spotless mind eraser. Which, which I thought was interesting because, you know, it's not necessarily part of regression therapy, although this is included in the philosophies of some practitioners who are aware and read up on this stuff. It's more in philosophy and in writing around reincarnation. But part of the you know, goal might be wrong word, but if we look at the process, the hierarchy, the progression of development that is presented within reincarnation and quote unquote, why we come back in all of this, there is a certain elevation and aspiration to having no past lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So, so look at it this way. It's like if my past lifetimes, all of them, thousands of them that there may be, are all resolved and taken care of. And in this present moment, I have no conscious or unconscious carriage or memory of what that may have been. I am fully in this eternal present moment. Mm-hmm. I am grounded and alive and entirely based in this eternal present moment mm-hmm. that we share. And that ultimately this this is 
not just a, an aspect of enlightenment, but part of what we should be aspiring to, to have the past so resolved right. that it is no longer a, a problem. It's, it's not even something we consider. We're complete in the present. So and that came to mind as I, like, yeah. I was like, wondering if the writers thought about that at all. I mean, definitely. But, These people know. are very intelligent to even think of this concept, yeah. but it also... For sure. Somebody definitely did their research. Yeah. You know, like, it, I had about the moment where they're like, what's a regression therapist? And she's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that, I was going to say that to you, too, but I was just like, ah, eh, moot point. It doesn't matter. Yeah, she she was just like, oh, oh, you do, like, um, crisis counseling or whatever, and he's looking at all that. But I was also thinking about what you were saying about, or what, you know, they were saying about reincarnation mm. and what you and I have talked about with re- reincarnation before about how that idea of stepping out of the wheel like you can choose yeah. to step out of the wheel. So, you know, when she encounters that woman and she's just like, just let me die, you know? And then, which right. I thought was a total weird scene. She's like, no, I need you here because I, I need someone too. And I was like, what? Huh? Mary McNeil. She just cares too damn much. Yeah. But you know? she was also alone. So, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't no, it doesn't. But <laughs> it, doesn't but it does point to that idea that you've brought up so many times about stepping out of the wheel of reincarnation. Yes. It, you know, yeah. if we're going to talk about that, reincarnation. And this is part of why I actually really liked this story, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. But that everybody, like, universally accepted that there is reincarnation and that mm-hmm. your past lives. I had... <laughs> Yeah, no, I had somebody ask me that once. Uh, Luke Simon, actually, who's a wonderful guy, a writer, just put out a book called Venus Juice. Venus Check it Juice. out. Luke's awesome. Luke asked me once at Maha Rose in Greenpoint here in Brooklyn. He said, hey, if we can remember past life memories and past life regression, why can't we do it in waking states? And I was like, I don't know that we can't. I think we can. That's a great question. Why can't we? Maybe we can. Maybe we do. Isn't that what deja vu is? Well, maybe we often do and classify them as daydreams or classify them as associations or or different kinds of aspects of imagination, which is fair game. But, you know, maybe the information's there. Certainly, there's information online and, and around Ian Stevenson and Jim Tucker and their research on children spontaneously remembering past lives. So if you're curious about actual accounts of people recalling their past life memories there are some stories of this that we can look up and read about one last thought just that this episode would have also come out right around the time when brian weiss's book many lives many masters Mm. was published in 88 so i'm really i'm really impressed actually by somebody did their homework somebody was paying attention and interested in regression therapy in a very pre-internet yeah. world. And this is probably one of the first representations that even shows up on television. Because it's all it's so meta, too. Like, for so many of really the nuances is. that we didn't get into. It really is. I feel like I can't get into it because it just will make my head explode. Like, you just have to watch it and see for yourself. And if you think about Brian Weiss and all the culty stuff that was happening and people coming out of it and then all the MLMs being formed and all of the past life regression and hypnosis that was like really hip at that time. It was just so perfectly placed, I think, in the culture and that yeah. it showed up in the Twilight Zone oh, in this yeah. very specific way. But with this spin on it, 
that like everybody could be in on it and just be like, just like mm-hmm. when she showed up at that girl's house, she's like, I know how I died. Bye. <laughs> you know, she was just like, I don't need a session from you. Like everybody in this world knows, you know, what their past lives were. But that kind of it made me start thinking about the role of the medium or the fortune teller, if you will, or healer, whatever you want to call them now. Mm-hmm. Um, people call themselves different things. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't want to know really a lot of the times because mm-hmm. I feel like you're just letting somebody else kind of plant a seed in your mind that might not be very useful. And like we've discussed this on other podcasts, so we won't go into detail on that. No, let's a little bit though. This is important. I have strong feelings about this. But just the idea that um, if something spontaneously comes back to you or something is triggered or ignited in you and it's useful, that's fantastic. But constantly seeking out these people to tell you about yourself, I think inherently is kind of like, you need to know to know about yourself to stop doing that. Like you actually will learn about yourself if you stop mm. doing that. If you stop listening to other people about what they think about you, guess what? You'll learn about yourself because you're going to be with yourself. I don't know. That's like a backwards way of saying do the work, but you know, don't rely on other people to tell you who you are because then you'll just be getting projections and bad information. Don't rely on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't rely on other people to tell you who you are. I like that way of saying. And less money in your bank account, you know? That's just, <laughs> that just putting that out there just that for too. safety reasons. Listen, that that is a principle that this podcast espouses and believes in. I'm with you 100%, as you know. I, I, and just for full context for people that are listening, maybe just checking in. I offer past life regression to people professionally. As I do that, as Jessica knows well, People are providing themselves these narratives in the privacy of their own mind. It's their own experience. Sometimes they're just looking at the back of their eyelids. Sometimes they're having incredible cinematic experiences. I never tell people what they are or were in a past lifetime. And I have very strong feelings about people that do. Any psychics, empaths, mediums, people who are listening that categorize themselves as such, do you... And I have very strong feelings about projecting onto other people what they may have been in a past lifetime. They're going to take that information on. If they're young, impressionable, and suggestible, they might take it on in a very unproductive and counterproductive way, as Jessica just put perfectly. Don't rely on other people to tell you who you are. Take what's useful and leave leave the rest. There's a huge difference, a huge difference between somebody telling you what you were in a past lifetime and having an experience in regression where you yeah. present yourself that possibility in a safe and uh, comfortable way. Well, I have a question. So with the way she was leading her sessions were very probing. She was like, who were you? Where were you? I can't remember the exact questions. And like, that's not your yeah. style at all. Like yeah. you let people do self-discovery in your sessions. No, yeah. So are there, because I, I started thinking about your dad actually, if somebody came in to you or your father mm-hmm. or another regression therapist and says, listen, um, I have a feeling of X, Y, or Z. Can we go in and look for it? Sorry, there's like a mm-hmm. sirens. Um, they're coming to save me. 
I'm stepping out of the wheel, guys. Ready. Uh, or as I'd say in, in uh, <laughs> There Will Be Blood, I'm finished. <laughs> um, so if you wanted to go in and probe and like find something specific, have you done that? Would you do it? I have I have done that. I would do that with people that I've mm-hmm. done that with. We have a very long talk. Not very long. But we have a talk ahead of time where I, I, we talk about the faultiness of memory. Past lifetime, present lifetime, doesn't matter. The faultiness of memory is constant uh, regardless of what the content of the memory might be. Memory itself is a emotionally and neurologically curated process that is not about exactly what happened. It's about Mm. how we felt about what happened and what our brain can piece together from the information that we have. And it is always incomplete and it is always Mm. also at an angle. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, I'm totally willing to do that. And you know, I want to and strive to meet people where they are very sincerely. But if somebody comes to me and they're like, I lost my keys in a past lifetime, <laughs> you know, will you help right. me find them? Or, or even this. worse, yeah. and this has happened, I think I was traumatized. I think something terrible happened. Yeah. And I want to go back and look for it. That was my next question is like, would you go in and be like, I'm super hesitant I, I want to look to do for that. this thing. No, and Relive it well, and release it. Yeah, then. I mean, Here's the thing. There's all kinds of questions I have after that. You know, how do you know this thing happened? What what do you what do you know about your life right now that makes you think going into a past lifetime Mm -hmm. is necessary? Is that is that in fact the case? Right. See, here's the danger that in the boundary that we run into with these things all of the time. If I was if I was a uh, use a stupid example. If I was a, a thief a master thief in a past lifetime. And I go and steal all my friends shit in this lifetime. I'm like, sorry guys, past lifetime information just coming through to the present. Sorry. Wasn't me. It was the other guy, you know, (laughs) that's a stupid example, but for real people that take this stuff too seriously Mm -hmm. do not take responsibility for themselves the way they should as adults in the present. Right. We can't go blaming our bad behavior on past lifetimes. You know, I know, I know it's, it's Damn. shame. It's shame that will not work in a court of law. Unlike this twilight zone episode. Well, I was also, if I may, Please. I was thinking too, I remember speaking to my therapist many, many years ago about a traumatic experience that I had that I recalled like suddenly, cause it's the human brain and the body yes. is fucking incredible because I didn't even know that I had experienced this thing. And then the memory came mm. back suddenly in this really weird way. And I remembered it like it mm. happened to me, like this thing happened to me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's what repression is yeah. or whatever. Like when something, you know, so awful happens or what's, you know, awful on a spectrum, right? There's a spectrum of awful and it's different for every person, this awful thing that happened. And I completely fucking blocked it out and also didn't recognize it as something abusive or harmful until I was an adult, right? Because then we don't we don't know sometimes when we're children that things are bad. And I confronted the other person about it and they have no recollection of it. So then it mm-hmm. made me feel like gaslit and it made me feel like, wait, was my memory not 
correct or whatever. And I brought this to my therapist. I was like, this really fucked me up that that other person didn't validate this memory of trauma mm-hmm. that they were part of or witness to, however you want to, like, however you want to, mm-hmm. you know, organize that. And she was like, it doesn't matter if it did or didn't happen. She goes, it matters how you feel about it, what your recollection of this incident was Mm -hmm. and how you feel about it, how it made you feel and like what we're going to do about that. So that was so interesting because it's like, yeah, you this could be a fabricated thing or not. But that's not actually what the issue is. The issue is that some information or something is coming through that was like a traumatizing incident that you feel like you recalled. So let's talk about like the feelings around it and et cetera, et cetera. You know, all the stuff. But just for our audience sake, you spoke to that earlier where it's like it's not about the thing. It's about your response to it. And like that's where Mm -hmm. like the work happens and what's so interesting is that our memories are flawed but also information comes through that your your memory all of a sudden decided mm-hmm. to come back online and deliver information to yeah. you from an earlier time period in your life it's a it's a tremendously delicate process it really is because to your point and of course i believe you know the meanings the Memories, the narratives, the feelings, all of these things have value. All of these things are real. They're lived experience and can have important meaning. So being able to extract, as we say all the time, take what's useful and leave the rest, how we extract that useful information and apply it to the present, whether through Mm -hmm. some circuitous route of past life regression or present life memory, working with regression therapy or hypnosis or whatever we do, it, it is, it's tender. You know, I'm thinking of this story as we can start to kind of close here. Here's, here's a very dramatic, really, example of something we're talking about. I had a, a woman come in a few years ago who is a Jewish woman in her present lifetime. I think she was probably in her 40s. She felt that she had died in the Holocaust she wanted to do a past life regression to explore that. Uh, as I said before, I meet people where they are. I appreciated her coming and I, I was talking about talking with her about past life regression. I said, absolutely, we can do this, but I want you to know what could happen and the dangers. And you know, told her, and this is true in past life regression, when we are confronted with traumatic material, we can always bring the client or ourselves bring the person above the scene or give them distance, detachment, dissociation. So A, they are not mm-hmm. locked first person in whatever this horrible experience could be. We do not want people to be re-traumatized. We, we do not want people to be newly traumatized. We do not want that at all. Mm-hmm. There is also a delicate asterisk there. We do actually want to activate the neural networks where certain things are held so that we can work with neuroplasticity and change them. We do also want to activate certain things to make them plastic and make them change and apply new learning. So again, there's there's delicacy, there's boundaries here. Anyway, this woman who's wonderful, we did a, a session 
I think we did one, may have been two sessions, but she went back into an experience as a Jewish person in the Holocaust and specifically the moment and trigger warning, I apologize if anybody is you know sensitive to this material. The the moment where she was having her head shaved is is actually, mm -hmm. you know, where she she took us back to and was the center of gravity for that particular session. And Jessica, I don't think I ever had anybody scream or wail so loudly in my chair. She may she may have wow. been she may have been the most you know, my my sessions, as you know, are usually relatively quiet. They're they're yes, they're pretty very... calm. I do not they're I sleepy. don't bring in a bunch of drama. <laughs> I try to steer us in the other direction. This was different. This was different. This this lady wailed and cried. People near the office may have thought I was murdering somebody. I have no idea. But I'll tell you wow. what, I'll tell you what, it was cathartic for her. It was a learning experience for me. And, you know, although it's not something that I was even that comfortable doing, it was productive for yeah. her. It was productive for her. I could, I could tell afterwards, and we talked afterwards, of course, and she told me as much. She felt the catharsis. She felt a, a release of that big emotion. It was important for her you know, mm -hmm. um, a few different levels perhaps. So for that reason, I'm glad we did it, you know, but, uh, yeah, but it was a dramatic session. Do you think though ever that clients are performing for you? Cause like they have a, a mission and they want to come in and they want to have this release. I'm sure some do. I'm sure some do. And, you know, I'm sure more clients, not, not suggesting. No, no, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. This is a big thing in hypnosis is, you know, how many people are just complying because in the back of their head, they're just like, okay, let's get, let's get through with this. Someone is just going to say yes mm -hmm. to get this done. I've got a thing at two yeah. fifteen. I got to get out of here. You know, so I, there's absolutely this psychology at play at times with some people for sure. So to answer your question, I'm, I'm certain that that has happened sometimes. I think I've been able to spot it once or twice mm. not often like a handful of times i think i have spotted it in action it also comes and goes in moments and it's easy to redirect those kinds of things yeah. it's also impossible for me to to know how much or how little to you know because i also right. i just I, mean, I trust i i am relatively implicitly trust the people that i work with until i have a reason not to right and also like they're paying you yeah. so it's just like why are you gonna pay me and be like a dingus well like, there's that <laughs> like the jokes that. on you yeah I mean I've definitely uh, I, I always try to be honest in our sessions and I'm just like sometimes I'm like I don't know yeah I had like I don't know I don't have an answer to that great session with somebody yesterday who was kind of questioning all of therapy and I was like yeah man I, I'm totally with you it's an <laughs> it's a it's an expensive process and we don't even know what we're going to get out of it like, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm paying somebody for a service, I want to know exactly what I'm going to get, you know? Right. And uh, I was telling him, I was like, you know, this is actually hypnosis lets me sleep a little bit better at night because at least I know I'm giving people a state altering experience. I am yeah. offering people something experiential that they're not going to be able to find anywhere else. Right. You know, so there's that aspect of it, which does make me feel a little bit better on top of whatever conversational or talk therapy may occur during the sessions. Mm -hmm. But I agree completely, man. Therapy is expensive stuff. You're paying for people's time. And in, oftentimes, we're not even sure 
what the result is going to be, if there will be a result. It's experimental to a certain extent. Right? Yes. Psychology is still experimental. Right. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's science right behind. Uh, I was reading all these studies recently that I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and, you know, just realize when I was reading about epigenetics um, for another episode that we talked about this, mm. I was like, there's so many studies about this. And maybe you know, there is science behind, but when you're actually in session, it's so experimental and layered and like, you can't really ever have like a definitive yes or no to something at times. And, and I think like that's part of therapy, but just to kind of bring it back to the twilight zone episode, I think it points at that too, right? That this idea that she is, helping people forget it's like you never really forget like that's not actually possible Mm. unless you remove somebody's frontal lobe is it what they used to do i don't know sure back in the day but this idea that you could you know erase someone's mind which i've been asking you to do for years but you refuse it's a very expensive (laughs) process jessica (laughs) It's a very, very time-consuming process. We could do a trade. All right. All right. We'll barter. All right. But so just to wrap it up, yeah. what? give me your rating. What do you think on, on a scale of none to fun? Woo! Woo! This was a party. I, you know, yeah. we're way over in the fun side of the spectrum on this one. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, I'm still coming back to the extra 25 minutes at the end. I'm still like... <laughs> what was that? What just it was happened? Very Lynchian, for it, sure. It really was, and yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, it really was though. The more I think about it, even the twenty-two minute episode, parts of it felt like and Mulholland Drive or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fucking Mary McNeil and her smart sport jackets and her shoulder pads. I love this yes. woman. I love this woman. This woman reminds me of my dad's peers and colleagues, people Mm -hmm. he used to hang out with, OG fucking regression therapist. She's got an office in Santa Barbara. She's seeing divorcees and Hollywood executives. She's Mm -hmm. kicking ass. No, it was great. I thought it was fun. I'm into it. Yeah, it was great. It's full fun. I give it a 10 out of 10. There's nothing I would redo on this. Even like the things that I questioned and took issue with. Yeah. 10 out of 10 still. Rock and roll. Yeah. And thank you for listening to this episode of Mind Space Minimal. Thanks, guys. Visit us at mindspaceminimal.com and email us at mindspaceminimal at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.